Good morning. Well, today we start something new. Um, each week, the bulletin, if you look in your bulletin, uh, indicates the section of scripture that we will be addressing in the after-service class um, the, the following week. I've been calling that time our question-answer session, during which time we look at that section of scripture and also discuss a sermon or talk about anything else that comes up. Starting today, I will be drawing the, the text for the day's message from that section of the scriptures as well, what, the one that was assigned the prior week. My intention will not be to cover the entirety of the reading. I don't think that would even be possible, but, but I will endeavor to cover something within that text that will speak to our hearts and minds for that day. In your quiet time or just throughout the week, if you could read that text, it would help prepare you for the next Lord, for the upcoming Lord's Day message. And if you did decide to stay for the class after the service, it would also help there, though you don't have to read it. And, and trust me, there won't be a raising of hands to see who did. So I, it just would benefit you if, if you did read the text. Today we will be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 8 from last week's reading. But before we get into that, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word now, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would cause us to hear what you would have us hear, that we would see you, and that we would remember you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The nation of Israel was gathered on the east side of the Jordan River, and this was a group of about a million people. There were no men over the age of 60 among them, for they had all died in the wilderness over the last 38 years of wilderness wandering. Their children were there, though, and they knew the stories. And those under 20 had been there through the whole thing and had actually seen it and heard God's voice and understood what had transpired since God had delivered this nation from slavery in Egypt. The Lord was about to take them into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua. Joshua had been selected by the Lord to lead them after Moses had not too long before this failed to honor God, and the consequence was that God was not going to allow him to lead them into the, the land. For the first number of chapters in Deuteronomy, including our text, Moses is speaking to this nation. He is, he is recounting what has happened over the last 40 years. He had reminded them of their experience at Mount Sinai 38 years prior to this, and, and a little over a year after, after the Red Sea miracle. At that time, this nation actually heard the Lord's voice, and they had received the Ten Commandments as well as the rest of the laws and the rules related to offerings and feasts and the tabernacle and the role of the priests and God's holiness. Moses had reminded them of their purpose to be God's people that he was going to bless, and through them he would bless the world. Moses had also reminded them that even though the Lord had provided them with bread from heaven, 
protection from their enemies, water from rocks, and the list goes on. They had been a rebellious and foolish people. He reminded them that the last 38 years of wandering was their fault. God had taken this massive group of ex-slaves, turned into a nation with laws and a society centered around the one true God. He had made them into a powerful army. He had led them with a cloud and a pillar of fire to the doorstep of the promised land. And instead of trusting God, they decided to trust the words of 10 Frady Cat spies. The spies did confirm that the land was all that God had promised. However, the people decided that, that the God who had faithfully gotten them that far, who had done miracle after miracle, apparently didn't have the ability to do any more miracles or finish the job. And the people chickened out and they rebelled against God, which resulted in the next 38 years extra in the wilderness during which time, by the way, God continued to provide for them and even led them to multiple victories and strengthened them. And they conquered lands that were not even part of the promised land. This group was now poised 40 years after the Exodus to enter and take possession of the land the Lord had promised them. Moses Knowing that he was not going in and knowing the character of these people, after recapping all that had happened, was giving them some final instructions. In fact, he was actually pleading with them. He was pleading with them to remember the Lord, who he is and what he has done. And as part of that, he says the following. Now hear the word of the Lord from Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not, and he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is, to, is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out into the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose heels you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full and you shall be blessed and the Lord will bless you, the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes which I command you today. 
Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so you shall perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. Thus ends the reading of the word. Some, some observations. Remembering was a huge concern for Moses. But it was and is an even bigger issue with the Lord. In fact, when you consider that the feasts and the Sabbath and the Passover and the offerings and the laws regarding cleanliness and baptism and the Lord's Supper, etc., are all loaded with the idea of remembering, I am convinced that there is nothing we are called to do more often than that, to remember. And it's because when we remember, we are reminded of the truth. And the truth is that God is good. God is faithful. God provides for our needs. God has delivered us. God has taken us through the wilderness. God has fed us and defeated our enemies and done miraculous things. And God has spoken to us. Remembering the Lord, who he is and what he has done is a huge deal. And I find it more than interesting that this is the, uh, the same concern for getting the Lord that the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ had in his letter to the church at Ephesus, which we've been covering for the last seven months. The Ephesian church had witnessed a ton of stuff, and they knew a ton of stuff. They were doing a ton of stuff right. But they were rebuked by Christ for forgetting him. In our text today, Moses is telling these people, these people through whom God was going to reveal himself to the world, whom he had called and blessed and delivered and saved, God was telling them, Moses was telling them that God was about to really bless them. And Moses is calling them to remember and not forget God. It is easy for us to sit in judgment of the people of Israel and say, how could they forget God? I mean, they had actually heard the voice of God. They had seen a sea part. They had seen bread come out of heaven. I mean, how could they forget God? 
But the truth is that we really are not that different from them. We know what the Lord has done in our lives. And we have seen him work in our lives. We also have the blessed privilege of having the Bible, which tells us a ton of stuff that these folks didn't even have a clue about. And we have an empty tomb. And we forget the call to remember the Lord, to not forget, is also to us. And in verses 11 to 18 of our chapter, Moses gives three reasons that people forget God. The first is, and, and this will sound very familiar to what we've been covering over the last month concerning abiding in Christ and walking in the light. The first is, we forget God by not keeping God's commandments. Verse 11 says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes. Keeping God's commandments is about so much more than feeling obligated to do stuff or feeling guilty that you didn't follow them. Obeying God's commandments is, for example, a way for us to respond in gratitude to God for what he has done for us. Or Jesus told us that if we love him, we will obey his commandments. So we can show our love for Christ by obeying his commandments. Paul tells us the same. So does John. Obeying God's commandments also enable us to fulfill our function as his presence in the world. In Deuteronomy 4, 6 to 8, Moses is talking about how the people's identity and uniqueness from the rest of the world is characterized by their following the commandments. And it, obeying God's commandments makes them unique and bears witness to God. And obeying God's commandments also leads to a better life. Multiple times, God tells them and us that if they obey his commandments, things will go well with them. If they don't, they won't. Verse 10, 13 tells us specifically that keeping the commandments of the Lord is even for our own good. The shiny object that belongs to someone else really might be cool, and we really might think it will make our lives better. But if we covet it or steal it, it will not end well. Replacing God with an idol of career or money or a certain quality of life may seem to be the answer to the needs we think we have, but pursuing them will not end up well. The, the, and, and those idols also won't be able to save us in the end. There's a reason we don't worship idols. That person who is not our spouse, real or on a computer screen, may seem to be the answer to our needs or th things that we think we need. But pursuing them will not end well. And we'll, we will come up empty. And there will be consequences. God's law, his commandments... Help us live better lives for ourselves and for the kingdom. But even more importantly, and, and this is the point that, God was, that Moses was making, 
Keeping God's commandments remind us of him. Keeping his commandments remind us of his character and that we belong to him. He is God. He is in control. He holds our future. He has been faithful. And he is the one we are supposed to keep our eyes on. And when we are obeying his commandments, that happens. And the point, if we're obeying his commandments, we won't forget God. By verse 12, there is a shift. And we are told that we can forget God due to our contentment with blessings. Here, verses 12 to 14. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Have, have, have you ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? It, it maintains that there are basically five areas of needs, beginning with physiological, such as food and clothing, which must be met before the next level, which is safety, things like a job or security, before those things can be addressed. After that is love and belonging. After that is, is esteem. After that is self, self, you know, esteem is kind of self-confidence. After that is self-actualization. According to the proponents of this concept, which has become basically gospel in our society, you need to, to, to meet your, your basic needs first, pretty much in the order of that hierarchy. And, and here is where it goes wrong. It, well, among other places, it teaches that religion and a belief in God is something that is addressed in the higher categories and, and cannot even be an issue until the lower categories are met. Basically, you can't convert a hungry man. A hungry man doesn't care about God. However, that idea is simply not supported by the scriptures. God himself, via Moses' statement, which we just read, counters it. Here, verses 2 and 3. And you shall remember, let's see, I got it wrong. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God wants us to know that he is the fundamental need. He is the fundamental thing. And belief and hope in him is even more important than food. Jesus also made this point very clear when Satan tried to force Maslow's model on him. Our fundamental need is God, not food. And obedience to him is where real life starts. Because this temporal survival is simply not the biggest issue. A relationship with our creator is, and that is also eternal. 
It's interesting, following Maslow's model actually leads to where Moses is warning the nation of Israel not to go. What too frequently happens is once one's basic needs are met and they have their food and stuff taken care of and their self-esteem is where they think it needs to be and they think they are fully self-actualized, people tend to focus so much on life's pleasures that they often conclude that they have this God stuff under control. They may even decide that they don't need God anymore or to be true to the text, they forget God. When we are swimming in blessings, we can forget God as we draw our life and meaning and nourishment and hope and blessings from the things of this world rather than from the God who has blessed us. Moses is saying, God is about to take you into a land of blessing and he will shower blessings upon you. When that happens, do not forget about him. Sadly, they forgot. Sadly, so do we. This leads to verse 17 and 18 and a third reason people forget God. It is similar to the prior one, but it is different. In the prior one, we forget God by simply enjoying the blessings so much that we forget about the God who gave those blessings to us. In this one, we've moved beyond that to the delusion that we are responsible for those blessings. It has gone from distraction and forgetfulness to arrogance and pride. And the American ethos has really driven this one home. The term self-made man is not only something that is held high in our culture or a self-actualized individual, it is a, it is a fact, it's, it's one of the biggest lies out there. Man cannot make himself. Sorry, God, God does that. God created the egg and the sperm from stuff that he created inside beings he created and he created the baby and he causes it to grow and to be born and to be able to breathe and for its cells to hold together and to be able to process food and respond to its environment and to grow and to have intelligence. Man does not make himself. And to think that because someone has authority over an empire or accumulated a gazillion dollars means that person did it by themselves is just as foolish as to think that baby made itself. God is in control. Men can say they made themselves and they are wrong. We owe everything to God from our existence to the ability to breathe to our smarts and we will be accountable for what he has given us. And the more we pride ourselves on what we think we accomplished, the more we forget God. When you look at your garden or your retirement account or your home or, or the beauty of your children or the joy of your marriage, who gets credit? When things that, have been working, that you've been working really hard on work out, who gets the credit? If you succeed a lot or are blessed a lot, how long until you think it is you that caused it to happen? It's not very long in my case. I did it. 
Moses is telling these people on the threshold of the promised land that when they do prevail, they must remember that it is God who got them there. It is God who is the provider. It is God who is in control, not them. So Moses reminds them, gives these people three ways that they can forget God in his call to get them to remember. He says, you can forget God by failing to obey his commandments, by getting caught up in the blessings, by, by thinking that we are responsible for the blessings. We need to be reminded of this as well. Another thing that remembering does is it helps us face our future. When we don't remember, we can actually begin to fear what is ahead, in in spite of the fact that the Lord has been faithful to us over and over again. He's provided us our daily bread over and over again, and our breath. And he's gotten us through every challenge we faced or we wouldn't be here. But somehow, when we come up against the next challenge or uncertainty, we do not feel we can trust God with that one. Somehow, we think that while God has been faithful the first 1,486 times, he just might not be able to handle the 1,487th time. However, the truth is, we have a faithful God, and He can handle it. Our lives are proof, and so is the empty tomb. We just need to remember Him and what He has done and trust Him, and our future is nothing to be worried about. Before I close, I want to address one more thing that's in the middle of chapter 8. We, we've been looking at what we need to do, those three things. Uh, we need to remember the Lord and, and not forget Him. But in, in the middle of our chapter, Moses tells them what God is about to do for them. Here, verses 7 to 11. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountain and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Keep in mind, these people who had been slaves had been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And hearing that could not help but get them excited. That was a good future. My brothers and sisters, our future is way better. When the veil in the temple was torn as Christ hung on the cross, Things changed forever. If we will simply not forget our God and will dwell in Him and abide in Him as we've been talking and obey His commandments, 
we will know life in a way far beyond anything these people could have known. And we will be entering our promised land. In the words of, of Timothy Keller, a brother who recently went on ahead of us to glory, he said, and it only gets better from here. God has chosen for us to know him now. And he has sent his spirit to live in us now so we can experience his presence and the promised land now. Plus, we are destined for glory and bounty and blessing far beyond anything those folks could have even possibly imagined. We are now and will be even more in the presence of God Almighty, and we can and will know and experience his blessing and warmth and kindness and love and joy and peace in ways far beyond those people ever could have. God promised it, and it will happen. Our task is to remember our Lord, who he is and what he has done, and not forget him by failing to obey his commandments or getting caught up in the present or thinking we have done this life on our own. We must remember our Lord. Let's pray. Father, your faithfulness to us is beyond measure. You've also shared the truth with us that this life is is passing, and this is not our home. You are our home. Help us, Lord, to remember you, to abide in you, to never forget you. In the name of Jesus, amen.